Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. <laughs> Good evening, fiends. Welcome to another episode of Sinister Parlor Podcast. I'm Zombie Barbie with my awesome and amazing co-host, the one and only Bud Vino. Zombie Barbie, Rianne, Nicole, and Bud Vino, the dynamic duo at you again. Rianne, we have an awesome show, October 3rd, October 3rd, air date of the show, Saturday, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, and Rianne, a wonderful guest today named Jamie Nash. Screenwriter extraordinaire, director extraordinaire, does it all podcaster we learned backstage. Yeah. And all around awesome guy, Mr. Nash, thank you so much. And I know before we get going, Rhiannon would like to thank you too, sir. Thank you for coming on. It's an honor. Yes, thank oh, you. But no, it's all mine. Thanks for inviting me. I, you know, what better way to spend a Saturday than to talk some horror stuff with some fans and friends? You know, it's awesome. Exactly. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> thank You're you. You're very so, welcome, so Rhiannon. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I'm kind of nervous because I'm so excited to get you on, but, um, and I want to thank real fast Jay Saunders for um, connecting me with you. He's a great guy. Yeah, no, Jay's awesome. Um, I met Jay on the cast, I don't know if I met him there, I probably met him long before this, because I I, I think I reached out to him for VHS2 at the time. Uh, but that's where I really got to know him because he was he was the lead in VHS too, and uh, I I got to tell you that guy everybody was amazed and this is no joke I mean sometimes you'll tell like some BS story like this but he let us do whatever we wanted to him and didn't complain one single time I mean I remember days he had like a big you know bloody thing on his head and he spent the whole day like dripping and. And laying on the ground, and, and not once. I never heard a single complaint from that guy. I would work with that guy anytime. He's he's awesome. Aww, he's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good to hear. So, uh, that, yeah, wonderful. Pumping Jay up, and on VHS too as well. You know what I was really intrigued with, um, Jamie, Mister Nash, is that the genre in your bio it says that you're a big '80s fan, Goonies, um, things like that, which mm-hmm. Rand and I have always been, we're big 80s fans too. And I love the fact that you do horror and family. Yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful. So, awesome contrast. You're, you've got quite the range there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I think it's just being around the 80s, you know, growing up in the 80s. Um, I didn't really differentiate. You know, I loved, I saw every horror movie. I was a huge, huge Freddy fan, I'd say. I saw all those movies. I was big time Freddy, yeah. Uh, and... You know, all the other ones, like my wife, if she was here, if I could drag her in, she watched all the ones like Basket Case, Basket Case 2, you know, those kind of movies. Right. Um, she She's like an encyclopedia of those movies, even though she was really just a fan. She never she never dug into it the way I dug into it. Um, but on top of that, I was a huge, um, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark was probably my big movie that made me want to make movies in some ways star wars et all those spielberg and lucas kind of collabs so you know that intermixed back to the future all that stuff and then you had john hughes and you know all those movies i mean i i love them all i love them all and to me it's all just a big love of movies um but horror was definitely you know right at the top if not 
if I if I went in a you know a video store, I would probably gravitate toward the horror aisle almost every time because um, mm-hmm. I probably saw the other ones at the movie theater. Um, and a lot of the uh, horror movies were you know VHS specials back then. So mm-hmm. right, uh, Rand, if I could, it's funny uh, where, that you talk about that. I grew up in the eighties too, being born in the seventies and grew up on it. I couldn't agree more. I'm a big John Hughes fan, uh, a big weird science fan. Mm-hmm. Um, big, uh, you know, uh, breakfast uh, club, things like that. Um, that whole genre. And I couldn't agree more because it's almost, because I'm a horror fan too, but it's a feeling as a whole of that whole time period, I think. It's just a, I love all that. I think I'd, I'd probably gravitate toward horror too, depending on my mood. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I definitely have a big affinity um, for those 80s, John Hughes, 1985, like weird science, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that whole style. So I just think it's a comfort thing, too, like movies as a whole. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. That's awesome. I, the, the, other, yeah. Yeah, the, other, the other weird thing about that age, and you're, I mean, it depends on your parents, I guess. My parents didn't give a crap what I was watching or what <laughs> I was paying attention to. So I was watching the worst of the worst horror movies. And they had no idea. Or they didn't care. I don't, I, you know, if, maybe if they knew what it was or it might frighten them a little bit. But they really didn't know. Uh, they never put the smack down on me watching, like, The Exorcist when I was, like, eight years old or something, or <laughs> Halloween when I was 10, or whatever movie I was watching. Um, so I went through all of those really terrifying movies. Um, and, and honestly, it, it got to the point, and I think most horror fans are like this, where I really didn't get scared after the age of, like, 12 or something. Like, nothing really scared me, because I had seen, like I said, The Exorcist, The Omen, uh, uh, Halloween, you know, uh, Friday the 13th, weird ones like It's Alive, all these different movies. Um, I had, I kind of, I wasn't scared anymore, so I more appreciated just the darkness in my, um, in my storytelling, uh, which I think is one of the reasons why some of those movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark have that almost horror element with the faces melting and stuff like that and the supernatural. Um, so I always appreciate darkness in almost any of my stories, uh, whether it be horror or adventure, whatever, or even comedy in, in some level. That, that go ahead. Humor. No, but yeah, they didn't know what we were watching. They had no idea. They had no clue. Yeah. See, my mom was a huge horror movie fan. So she started me at like five years old and, you know, back then some of them would scare me, but I still always gravitated to go you know, get, go to the horror section and get these movies. Even if I was, you know, up all night with my lights on, it was like, I still wanted to watch them. It, it was a bit of a test, right? It was like, you were trying to test yourself, see how far you could go. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it, it was, you know, I was trying to push myself through the scary stuff. I think I, I've, I've said this before, but I've heard like comedians become comedians to control the laugh. I think the people like me that like horror, I was a scared kid to an extent. So for me to um, fight through horror movies, at least that was one thing I conquered. I could I could conquer it, and maybe later on I wanted to control it a little bit, and that's why I gravitated toward like making haunted houses and writing horror and stuff like that. Oh, nice. Well, Jamie, you've got some you've got some depth in some uh, self awareness. I can tell you that, and I agree because back in those times, we and I have talked on past shows that in that time period, a lot of parents weren't really watching. I mean, I remember I snuck Faces of Death oh, yeah. when I was probably eight years, ten years old or whatever. And it got like that with me too, around, probably around the same age. It was more of an intrigue and almost 
push my limits. I didn't necessarily get scared. Mm -hmm. I didn't have nightmares per se. I didn't stay up at night. It was more intriguing and more the, I had an interest in trying to figure out how things were done. As I told Rian, I became a big uh, fan of Tom Sabini. And just the whole, everything. Yeah, Yeah. and just how it's all done. So it more intrigued me. Yeah. And kind of, you know, open up a lot of other doors in terms of my interest than it did freak me out. You, you know where I really became a fan of Tom Savini? And this shows you, it's just, one, in the 80s, we were just fans of kind of everything. I think because we had limited choices, so we just stretched out as opposed to now where we have unlimited. But I became a fan of Tom Savini on those old David Letterman um, segments. I don't know if you remember those, but he used to come on David Letterman late, you know, and do like really gory little, it was almost like a magic show he would do. Mm-hmm. He'd light Dave's hand on fire or something, and Dave would do comedy bits. And, um, when I saw him on that, I was also into magic and stuff like that, but I was, I really gravitated, like Tom Savini became a recognized guy that I really paid attention to um, when I saw him on those David David Letterman early 80s kind of guest appearances. Yeah, he's incredible. It's def- yeah, definitely a kinship there too, Jamie. I used to, um, I already, you may remember this, I'm glad that you're, that genre you're, you're a fan of. Mm-hmm. I told Rhiannon, we talked about Tom Savini on a show before briefly, and I ordered, in the 80s, he had I think it was out of Fangoria magazine, maybe and some other ones, but you could order like the Tom Savini VHS. And it was like, it showed how a lot of his practical effects were done because that was, and I told Rihanna, when I was really young, around the age you mentioned, I would make blood bags, things where he had instructional videos. So that's what, you know, I'd, I'd put fake, you know, fake eyes, I would do the makeup. It really interested me at that young age. So I think Tom was somebody too, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, we were late and he was so good. He, mm-hmm. he made you want to get more into it. He made it fun. And you yeah. saw what he produced. Because even if you know it's an effect, some of it still, no matter what, it's pretty pretty shocking to the senses. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, even things like, it, it was also practical too. Like you could understand it. Like he just build right. a head. I mean, not that I could build a head to this day, like a realistic head. And then you just take a shotgun and shoot it and blow it apart. You know what I mean? I, it's, that sounded fun. You know, yeah. as a kid, I'd like... Right. Yeah. Primitive interest, but we were 12, right? No, right. it was, yeah, definitely. I think it was that childish part of it, too. Like, just it, fun. It was kind of like the old tying the firecrackers to the back of your action figures element to it. You know, it felt like um, he was an adult pl- doing kid things, like things I wanted to do in my backyard. So he, he was really right. exciting. And then... I, yeah, almost like a rite, almost like a rite of passage when you're into yeah. that and you're that age. It's, it's it's like a transition, as you said, kind of blends together. It's uh, and when you're into that, I remember I used to get so excited when I wake up. I'd want to watch his tape and want to try something different. You know, I couldn't wait. I never quite came out nearly as as good as Tom's, right. um, but it was fun trying. So, have, have you ever met Tom? Uh, have I you have. had a convention? I okay, guess. so um. I'll tell you about, I, you know, I don't, I don't go, it's funny because we talked offline briefly about how I have my exorcist poster. I got it, a convention, but um, I've only been to a few conventions. I don't go to a ton of them, but uh, Tom, I, I met him probably in the early 2000s. And here's what I'll say about Tom that is just incredible. He, while all the other celebrities were kind of behind booths, he was always on the showroom floor. And he would just talk to anybody, and he would sign things for free. He didn't charge you 15 bucks. I don't know. I always said to my wife, because I remember we got all kinds of stuff signed for him. I'm like, maybe we were supposed to pay him, but he didn't ask, and he didn't have a sign or anything. He's just like, 
he was super cool. I mean, he was just he was just hanging out. Like he didn't want to go in the celebrity room and sign things. He just had his little booth and be talking to friends. And he knew a lot of people. Just a super down to earth guy, super accessible. Um, I, you know, I even been to, I even seen him at a convention myself in about ten years. But I bet you he's the same. He's really mm-hmm. cool, mm-hmm. really cool guy. That, that was that was like after Duckle Dawn and stuff like that. Oh, you know? wow. that's that wonderful crazy. to hear because he's one of my favorites too from childhood. So it's nice to hear that. And I've seen some different interviews where people have concurred with what you're saying. But it's nice to hear he's that humble because, again, we say it all the time, Rand. That's what it's about. Life's like this for all of us. Oh, yeah. Um, so I try to stay humble and enjoy everything. So it's nice to see that he does, too, and he stays humble and he realizes his own humanness. And he has yeah. fun with it still, it seems, it seems like. Yeah, no, they're the ones that always stand out to me. Even as I've worked in the business, whenever I latch on to somebody that's just an, you know, the best thing I could say about they're just an ordinary person, you know. It's just like a cool person you'd hang around with. And he was definitely that. You know, horror conventions, you start to get a feel when you go to those. It's like, I remember Doug Bradley, uh, the Hellraiser guy, was super cool and nice. He was like one of the nicest guys you could meet. Um, is it Ken Forey? Uh, is, that, is that his name? I remember he was super nice. Um, he would sign anything and, and be super cool to you. He was, anyway, I, I love when you meet the people. And they're just ordinary, you know, excited people, enthusiastic. Yep. And they love their their craft, you know. You know that they're passionate about it when when they act that way, you know. So how you said, you know, he wasn't charging for stuff. It's because he loves what he does and enjoys sharing it with people and loves his fans. And I just think that's so nice when they can be that way. Yeah. No. Me too. Me too. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely good. So Jamie, if I could, I was reading your bio earlier and said you you started off with a in terms of a film called Alter. Okay. Yep. Um, yep. And that was your first one. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you first got into it and you and you optioned that first uh, that first script and things? Yeah how, yeah. how was that whole process and how exciting was that for you? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because I was a computer science major. I was a programmer. That's what I did. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't a screenwriter, um, but I always loved to write. And even in film, I always joke with my um, with my family that. I wasn't a computer science major to my last semester because I, I was a film major, but I didn't want to take art history and all that, but I wanted to take all the film classes. So I took screenwriting, I took film while I was taking computer science. And the reason I did that was because I think film didn't let you take those classes unless you were a major, where computer science didn't care. They, they let, you know, 100 people in and they didn't care. So I always loved film and even... You know, I worked about 10 years in the in programming, in computer programming, and um, I was doing really well for myself. I, I think screenwriting uh, probably ruined me in some ways. Uh, <laughs> but I just had that itch that I had to do it. You know, I just had to do it. I was um, constantly writing short stories or short films or wanted to shoot. Um, and, um, you know, at the, the, to make a long story short with that, journey and I won't make it too short but um what what happened with altered was there, there are these query services so when you're a screenwriter the, the big question is how do you get something in somebody's hands mm-hmm. and the the basic way but also the worst way is query letters so you write like a letter dear you know so and so I have a script about this will you read it you know that's basically what a query letter is and um there was a company called inktip and they used to allow you to post like what's called a log line on Inktip, 
And then producers would come and look at it. And they were usually lower rent producers. But they also had a free newsletter. And in one of those, this is a long way to get to the story. And in that newsletter, I saw something that said um, from the, uh, it was from a producer, but it was for, they were looking for a, a low budget horror project for the director of the Blair Witch Project, for one of the directors of the Blair Witch Project. And that's all it said. And I sent a log line in and I had written a script. And, um, and at that time, I was writing scripts to make myself. That's all I cared about. I just wanted to be, I was more like, like around here, we had guys like Don Doler. And um, I'm trying to think of who else we had around here at that time. My buddy Kevin Kangas was around here making films. I don't know if you know that guy. Anyway, they were making these low-budget movies, and I wanted to be a part of that. Um, shoestring budgets. Uh, but anyway, I saw this thing. I sent a log line. It went to the guy. The guy said, I really like this. I'm going to send it to the director. And like a week after that, I got a call from the director of the Blair Witch Project, Eduardo Sanchez. And it turned out he had just moved. I, I'm in Maryland. He had just moved back home to Maryland from Orlando after years of working in Orlando. Um, and he lived like 30 minutes up the street from me. Wow. So, yeah. So, so that, that became, it was a script. It was originally called Probed. And uh, Probed's pitch was, it was basically a reverse alien abduction where instead of, um, so it, it was a rednecks abduct an alien. That was basically what it was. So that was my. It oh, was, you've got to. You've got to re. Uh, you've got to get that one rolling again. You've got to. Oh, well, yeah, that no, sounds interesting. So, so that one became altered. It's altered uh, now. Okay. Now, when it when I originally sent it to him, I I was trying to make these low budget movies, and honestly, this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. Because I wasn't as scared of horror movies anymore, I really gravitated toward horror comedy. Like I was a. I was at Evil Dead 2, yes. um, Peter Jackson, um, Bad Taste. You know, those were my, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make some ridiculous horror comedy. And Probed was that. But when, when, when Ed got it, he saw potential for it to be, I, I would say, it's not, we didn't take out all the comedy, but it became more like, um, like a Coen Brothers comedy or something. It's more quirky than it is in your face. Um, you know, uh, goofs and gags and stuff like that. So uh, it, it basically became the same story. It was the same relative story. He, he added a lot to it. Um, he had a lot of notes and stuff. He was coming off, it was his first movie after Blair Witch. And it became, again, they changed the title to Altered. And um, Altered has a pretty strong following this day. It's like one of these movies, you only know it if you know it. Um, because they kind of dumped it. It, it had this. It was going to have this big release. It was going to be in theaters, and then there was a regime change at Rogue Pictures at the time, and it was really disappointing to all of us, of course. But it just basically went at that time straight to video, which was kind of a rough way to go, and they didn't give it any advertisements. I don't think they they put trailers on anything. So a lot of people just showed up at the blockbuster, and there in the A section was altered. They were like, "What is this thing?" And it said from the director of the Blair Witch Project, and they. They put it in their DVD player and they saw this movie that came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, because it's had such limited, you know, press and stuff like that, people discover that movie to this day. It's kind of like this weird, um, again, there's a lot of people that really, really like it because it, it does come out of nowhere and it's an odd movie. Um, but it's one that maybe your listeners might discover, um, 
and I'm really proud of it. It's one of the ones closest to my heart because I wrote it to write, you know, before I had all this Hollywood stuff in my head or I knew all the rules. It, so it was just me kind of writing what I wanted to see. So it, it holds up in that way. My dog's chiming in. Oh, that's okay. Um, so <laughs> it, hold, it, it holds up that way. That's well, it's definitely, hey, you turned me on to it when I was checking it out today. I'm like, I'm going to have to watch this. I, I believe I can find it on Prime. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I, it might be on Prime. Usually I'll, people say, where can I get it? And I think it's on YouTube. You can, you can pay oh, YouTube. Oh, okay. It's like, okay. It's like the 299. Yeah, the 299. Yeah, the two ninety nine on YouTube kind of thing. Um, well, it's great. And it sounds like it's one of those law of attraction things, uh, Jamie and Rihanna, when it comes to Eduardo Sanchez. He, ha he happens to move, and it all connects. And I want to say, oddly enough, or maybe not odd at, odd at all, Rihanna, we have Eduardo coming on yeah, um, yeah, yeah. next week or so. Yeah, so I'm like, well, this is great how it all connects. Yeah, and, and what you'll find with him, I mean, he is one of those guys, because when I met him, you know, it was four years off the Blair Witch Project, maybe. Um, and the Blair Witch was, you know, huge for me. Because, again, I was a person that wanted to make my own movies. When I saw Blair Witch, I was like, who are these guys? They did it. I can't believe it. I was so jealous of what they pulled off. You know, I was like, it just blew up. Um, it's actually, and my wife and I went on a date. It was one of our early dates. And she was terrified of it. It's like one of her favorite movies to this day. Mm -hmm. So when I, met, when I met him, another one of those people that... Like, he's a guy who'll talk to anybody, uh, he'll, he, he just enjoys it, he has no pretension, he has like zero pretension, I've never met anybody that's just, you know, he is just totally chill, so you'll get along great with him, uh, nice. you'll have a great time with, nice. with that. I'm excited, that's so amazing, I love hearing when they're like that. Oh, he's it great, he's great. Good. <laughs> it, it, in fact, in some ways, for me, I, I mean, I wasn't that young because I had computer science, it wasn't like I was a 20, so that was probably late 20s when I met him he was kind of a role model in that way for me um like hey you know you don't have to be some jackass to be an, <laughs> a movie person you can just right. be totally yourself totally geek you can still get enthused about stuff you know and I I mean in some ways I, I was like yeah no that's how I want to be you can be that way oh cool I, you know it's not some weird club for the cool kids or something it's just it's just all of us um having fun mm -hmm. well if I could, Rianne, Jamie, I will say, too, you have a wonderful, um, and I say this as a complete compliment, um, childlike uh, love still for it. You know, it's, it's like in terms of, I think that's so important, and I'm so glad that I haven't lost that side of me either, and, and that you haven't, you can tell either, that side of you that remembers that feeling of being that young kid, or isn't afraid um, to talk about your insecurities or, or what inspires you or any of that. So um, I think that's, Salem. you know, it's one of those things where they say, what's the, what's the um, measure, what's a measure of success? I think waking up happy and enjoying who you are in your life, I think that's, a, that's the definition of success. So it seems like you're there and you're a role model, role model to people out there, not only for what you've done and are doing, but your attitude about it. Uh, it talks to, talking about, not being pretentious and being a down-to-earth person. Mm -hmm. We're definitely talking to one right now. So Yeah, well, that, that's, that. that's the best compliment I could get. So thank you. It's very kind. Um, but yeah, I, and I think you, you've nailed a lot of things. I, 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 uh, I think I had almost Peter Pan syndrome growing up. You know, I was one of those, like, I really didn't want to grow up. I was like, 
really? I got to lose all this stuff I love when I grow up? And as we found out, I think our generation found out that you don't have to lose all that stuff. I think, I don't know that my father's generation, they did have to lose all that stuff. It just wasn't, you know, he couldn't be looking at comic books or something as a, a adult. Um, are, you, are you still there? I'm not sure if I hear your yeah, audio. I'm here. You're still oh, yeah. there. My dog is okay. barking, so I'm trying to not let your ears okay. no, I got, gotcha, gotcha. I just wanted to make sure all of a sudden it got really um, quiet. Um, no, we, I'm hearing you great. We're hearing you great. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so I think you're absolutely right. You know, I, I was able to maintain that, that childlike stuff. You know, you, we mature, we, we can pay the bills, we can do all that stuff too, but, um, we can still have fun. We can still like the things we liked when we were kids. And, um, yeah, I think that's great. And my goal for screenwriting especially because I was a computer science person for so long. It's weird. I never knew to call myself an engineer or programmer. I don't know what they call it these <laughs> days. Um, but the um, my goal uh, with writing always was just, is there a way I can do this and get paid for it? I mean, that's all I really, you know, if I can do that and, and not have a day job, that can be my day job. And every morning I wake up and do that every day. Um, that's all I ask for. Like, I don't need to, I never measured my success. Like, will I do um, the next Star Wars movie? Even though I'd love to, you know, call me up if you want me to do that. I don't know about now. <laughs> maybe, maybe something else. Um, but I, I, I always just measured it. Can I, can I pay the bills doing this thing? I, that doesn't feel like work at all that I do for free. Um, and um, that's for the last, I'm trying to think. I've been doing this since probably 2006. It's all good. Dang, that's a long time. That's awesome. I saw too on um, your site that you even sell scripts as well. Or like you uh, write scripts for people. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Uh, so what, it's kind of funny. So when I first started after Altered, um, mo you know, most of what I was doing was independent film. Mm -hmm. uh, so people would call me up and they'd either option scripts I wrote or they would um or even they would people like um Eduardo Sanchez and the Haxon group would hire me to write on ideas they had or rewrites or things like that um and I was in the independent world and then right around 2012 um I sold some stuff to Amazon and it was one of the scariest moments of my career because from 2006 to 2012 I was independent and in 2012, when I sold to Amazon, I think it was 2012, it's somewhere, it gets fuzzy, um, <laughs> I, I had to join the Writers Guild of America. And once you join the Writers Guild of America, you can only do projects for people in the Writers Guild, and you can only do them, like I was, basically, I, I considered myself the best writer to, to pay pennies for. You know, that's what I was. So I was, I was doing 10 scripts a year and earning what I'd make if I did like one script for the Raiders Guild, you know, it was like, uh, I was just working my butt off on the cheap. I was undercutting people as an independent. Mm -hmm. And then once I got in the WGA, I was like, I can't do that anymore. I have to get paid, you know, a certain amount. Um, I can't work with certain people that just don't want to deal with the unions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it changed a little bit because the game changes. I still write many scripts a year on my own and try to sell them. Um, I try to uh, go out there and sell original stuff, but I also spend, I'd say 50, 60% of my time working on pitches, 
working on assignments, work, so working on other people's visions and other people's kind of dreams. So it's it's probably about 60% other people's stuff and then 40% my own original stuff at this point. And that's just the nature of professional screenwriting, like once you get in the, in like the Writers Guild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So this is your profession now. So you're not having it to do the computer stuff anymore. It is. And I've been out of the computer science thing so long now that it's not my safety net. For years, it was my safety net. Yeah. And now it's like, it, there is a part of me, you know, I still have the brain, like the lot. I could go back in and figure it out and, and become probably some low level programmer, but I couldn't go anywhere near where I was before. It's yeah. kind of like done. I figured I'd have to be a manager or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, and again, you're, you haven't, as Jim Carrey says, don't lose your playful heart. And you definitely have it. And you're doing what makes you happy. And that's, it's a wonderful lesson for people out there as you were talking, uh, Mr. Nash. You know, we all have, uh, you know, I think as you said too, that the age range, we weren't our, the generation before us, you kind of had to like instantly, you know, you couldn't be playful anymore, you know, which wasn't, it wasn't adult, it, you know, you had to be a certain way. And I never fit into that. Um, you know, I never felt, you know, and I think the lesson for people out there, as I was saying, is you just have to fill in the middle and figure out how to get from A to B. Because if you have a goal, you can get there, and you just go, okay, here's what I want. I just have to figure out the middle. And right. as stressful and scary as that can be, you realize that's part of the fun. Because mm -hmm. you find out more of who you are, what interests you, um, your own talent. So at the middle is part of the fun. But if you have a passion like you do, Mr. Nash, obviously, it can happen, folks out there, if you actually believe in it and believe in yourself and work toward it and actually accept, yes, you can do what you love and be good at it and have fun. So you're definitely a role model of people out there that might be uh, maybe doubting themselves. And, and please call me Jamie. I feel like I'm in – I teach too. So they call me Mr. Nash or Professor Nash or something like that. Um, I like Professor Nash. That sounds yeah, much more. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it sounds so formal. Even before I taught, there was somebody that used to call me Professor. I think one of the people, and I don't know why. And I always, I said, I'll take it. You know, I can't fix a radio like the Gilligan's Island Professor or anything. But um, I'll right. take it. That, that'll be your show nickname for this show. We have the Professor coming. The professor. Nash. Yeah, I need like that, now, oh, it's going to be the Professor Jamie Nash from now on. That's what it's like. I feel like that will be your stage name. I feel like it needs some kind of horror moniker on the back end that you need to help me with. Like, you know, we have zombie Barbie. It needs to be like Professor Blood or something like yeah. that. Right, right. Yeah. I think I need something cool. Point. Professor Slash. <laughs> I was Professor, say Professor that. Slash yeah. Jamie Nash. I was totally going to say that. That's crazy. Professor Slash Jamie Nash. There <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you been working with Eduardo since 2006 um, VHS 2 and Lovely Molly came out the same year 2011 mm -hmm. so, um, mm -hmm. which one came out first was it Lovely Molly so the it's it they do all blend together at this point um, <laughs> Lovely Molly definitely came out way before VHS 2 like we made it way before VHS 2 oh, okay. um, because the reason I know this is because we made exists before VHS two. Um, that's that's how I I know it. Now I don't know how the dates fell because distribution can take forever and editing can take forever. I know exists took like a year or two before we edited, found distribution, release date, all that stuff. 
So an independent film where there's no schedule, it can take like two years. Oh, yeah. So, so my gut says Lovely Molly was probably made two years or so before VHS 2. Um, but VHS 2, because VHS 2, the VHS movies were kind of on a mission the follow up, like a surprise announcement at Sundance, you know. Mm-hmm. So they, when they came to us, they were like, "Okay, hey, you're going to shoot in June. You're going to edit in September. We're going to release it in January. You know, we're going to Sundance premiere it in January." So it had a mission. Whereas both Lovely Molly and Exist, you know, is like however long it, it. They don't really say this, but in the back of our minds, it's like however long it takes. That's how it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew Lovely Molly. It kind of went through a phase. And then it, it got re-edited a little bit. And then because it premiered in Toronto, they kind of had to wait till Toronto. You know, like maybe it was done in March, but Toronto wasn't until September. Yeah. So so things like that happened. Um, mm-hmm. so, so anyway, Lovely Molly was a, a few years before. And before that, we had a movie called, another movie not a lot of people have seen, Seventh Moon um, is another one, Amy Smart. Um, that shot in Hong Kong. Uh, that was done, but then I think Lovely Molly is, um, it's, it's one that most of the people know, uh, it, you know, it's, it's been around, it's on, it's on a lot of the streaming services, um, and a lot of people have checked it out over the years, mm-hmm. and, um, and it was shot here in Maryland, so I got to be a part of the shoot, which isn't true of any of these other, well, VHS 2, I was a producer on, and I was there every day, mm-hmm. but all the other ones, um, I, I really, I showed up for a week. I hung out, I ate the food, you know, and then I left. <laughs> Lovely Molly I got to be a part of. I was there every day and stuff. I, I actually did the um, the transmedia side, which, um, so in Lovely Molly, they, they wanted to do almost like what they did in The Blair Witch. They wanted to do a lot of, like, little um, extra YouTube videos and websites and all this stuff. And they... They weren't sure if they could use it, depended on the distributor and how big the distribution was and if they pay. So they basically hired me while they were making the movie to use the movie's assets to go around and shoot these little pieces that one day they'd collect into a bigger hole. And if you're into Lovely Molly, they did, they never made the money to do the big, expansive Blair Witch-style thing. But if you're into Lovely Molly, there's YouTube videos of those that we kind of edited together after the fact as DVD extras, but they're actually out on YouTube. Um, I think they were released on YouTube, like at the same time in the film. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah. One thing with lovely, Mo- well, not one thing, but one of the things, um, the hoofs where you could just hear the hoofs walking. Mm-hmm. I think that is so scary because you don't see the, the demon guy right away. And it's like you hear that, and that gave me chills because you just hear it clomping around. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine!" Like, if that were to really happen, that'd be horrible. The, the um, the, one of the happy accidents that happened, I guess, not an accident. So, altered and seventh and seventh moon, um, they were both made during the big days of DVD sales. So, uh, I can't remember if it was like t- two thousand six, two thousand seven. The DVD market collapsed. Right, mm-hmm. so they had a, we had a ton of money for altered in comparison. I mean, not compared to a real movie, but a ton of money compared to the other ones. And they did the sound mix of those two movies at Skywalker Ranch because I think it was I think more because it was Ed's dream of doing a sound mix at Skywalker Ranch. Aww. So, so uh, lovely Molly though we didn't have the budget and it was made in Maryland. So it was some local. It was a local team called the um, 
they were called Studio Unknown. I think they're called the Sound Department now. And the only reason I'd bring them up and plug them is one, well, Skywalker Ranch, they were doing all kinds of huge movies when we were there. But this this company was like, this was their huge movie. You know, Lovely Molly was their huge movie. And they really brought it to that sound. Like, uh, people brought up in the reviews the sound design of that movie. So the fact that you bring that up, you're not the first person I've heard that from. And kudos to them. And I give them kudos because right now, literally, they just sent um, a sound design for a movie I'm working on that I directed. <laughs> so, you know, I got to I gotta pump them up. So um, I'm working on a thing called um, A Comedy of Horrors, which is an anthology. And I'm doing one of the uh, one of the shorts. So uh, plug the, the sound department. They're like the best, in my opinion, the best East Coast by far uh, sound crew in the in the biz. That's so awesome! Hell yeah, awesome. yeah. Yeah, awesome. shout out to the sound department, folks yeah, out there. Yeah. A lot of respect <laughs> to the sound department. That's and congrats awesome. on that uh, directing job, Mister uh, Professor Slash. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's how I'm going to put my directing credit now. It's going to be the right there. Like yeah, it. there it is. <laughs> that's awesome. I've got something here, Jamie. This is Professor Slash, Director Slash, Professor Slash. I like it. I like it. I like <laughs> it, too. it has a nice, it has a nice flow to it. It has, it has, it, it really, it says it all. You know, yep. it says it all. I'm going right out from this podcast. I'm going out to make some T-shirts, put them online. Um, sell them. It's Hell gonna be yeah. awesome. Well, there you go. And it sounds like you have a, your wife is into the that too. And it sounds like some that's something she could definitely sounds like a smart cookie you have there. Yeah, she could probably help you out with all that stuff oh. too. So, oh yeah, yeah, she you're could, in good. She'd shape. be the one. She'd be the one. Yeah, for, <laughs> yeah. Cool. So you're in good shape. You're you're already all you're already there, Jane. Absolutely, absolutely. All I have to do is press the button, and the riches will come my way. That's right, because you already have A to B and the middle figured out. We just figured out the middle right now. That's right. Just get out distribution, the actual design itself. I think that's going to come through osmosis, perhaps. When we're sleeping, we can maybe, I don't know, put something under the pillow and it will come. That's right. That's right. It will all come together. Um, yeah. With uh, I noticed Ken Arnold was in Lovely Molly and then also in The Night Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's cool seeing how people all connect and you know use people they've used before, and you just you know I love seeing that when they reoccur in people's movies because because he's a cool guy and he's a great have, actor. Have you, have you had him on the show, Ken? No, not yet. You should. So so Ken's the producer of Comedy of Horrors, by the way. So oh, he's okay. the producer. Yeah, um, I hope you're watching. Go ahead. Oh, oh no, he. <laughs> No, you should totally get him on. He's great. He's okay. he's a good friend of mine. Uh, we we did um, so he lives here as well. You know, he's a local guy. Um, trying to think, lovely Molly. Yeah, I guess they're the two he's he's been in. It feels like he's been in more of Ed's movies. Um, we did a we did a web series many years ago called Parabnormal, and it's mm-hmm. kind of um, Reno nine one one with ghost hunters you know nice. um and he's the star of it right. and he is so funny in it i mean check uh, shout out to that it's old it's an oldie but a goodie but look up parabnormal okay. it, it has like two seasons and um it's it's another one of those i directed a, a bunch of those episodes i kind of created the show but it's, it's very improv um so it's another one like altered that kind of when i think about ones that are closest to me that's one very close to me because I have a very goofy sense of humor. And uh, and I, I was also into, like I said, David Letterman. Like, growing up, I always wanted to be, like, an SNL writer is what I want. I didn't want to be a performer. I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
and I did improv and I did all that kind of stuff. So that sh that show, anyway, shout out to that show. It, it has a, it's horror adjacent. It's got ghosts and stuff in it. That's you know, awesome. well, we're gonna check that out now. Parabnormal is that what it is? Yeah. Par Parabnormal. Uh, um, just Google it on YouTube. You'll see Ken or something. You'll see season. We're gonna check it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm definitely gonna check it out tonight. And a shout out to Ken. If we'll definitely have to reach out to him. Uh, and I can tell that goofy sense of humor. I can tell that right away. I think that's why we got along so well, and it was seamless. <laughs> Um, so Rand yeah. has it too. So what we once thought was an affliction in our youth, we realize is a gift, right, Jamie? Absolutely. And and you bring up the Night Watchman, and that has that goofy sense of humor for oh, sure. Um, another movie you can kind of find. I think that's on Prime. I think mm -hmm. people can go watch that right away on Prime. I think ninety percent. That's one of Last my budget. favorite horror comedies ever. My friend oh, is uh, Mitchell cool. Altieri who directed it. Oh yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So yep. man, that movie I have I cannot watch it enough. And like anybody I ever have come over to hang out, I'm like, we have to watch this movie. It is so funny. And how, you know, uh, Bud, you got to watch it because Ken Arnold right. is absolutely hilarious. They're all well, funny. Yeah. Everybody in it's funny. Well, I can confirm. Rhiannon has definitely bugged me for a while to watch that movie. It's one she loves it so. Um, it's okay. definitely one I'm going to check out. I have a whole list, and I'm embarrassed to say, Jamie, that you mentioned Evil Dead 2, and I'm a big fan of the genre, horror genre, and I'm pretty up on it, and well informed. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you, too, sir. I've never seen any of the Evil Dead movies. Oh, and my favorite. Leanne couldn't believe it either. She almost, you know, kicked me off the show, <laughs> but she decided to keep me around. Let's, let's kick him off. Come yeah. on. We can't. Yeah. Right, right. right. Well, but I did go, I, I bought the original, even though I, it was on other platforms, just so I would have it. Sure. And I've watched some because Rhiannon is married in another universe to Bruce Campbell. Ah. Um, another person I met at a horror convention once. Oh, uh, so cool. So oh, cool. I mean, uh, so yeah. Rhiannon, yeah, Rhiannon will love that. So I, I've got a whole list, uh, needless to say. Of movies I have to watch. And we've just added a few more tonight, I'm glad yeah. to say. So. Okay. Well, here's a, here's my thing with the Evil Dead, uh, even beyond Evil Dead 2. What I realized as a kid was, or even, I, I was a little older probably when I saw Evil Dead. Nah, I was a teenager. Um, what I realized is I liked movies that kind of pushed the envelope of the resources that they had. Mm -hmm. So, when I, and, and did it successfully. Like, you can't see necessarily the strings that much in Evil Dead 1. Um, in Evil Dead 2, you can't at all. I mean, they had a pretty good budget. Uh, but they just, they did things that they had no business doing on the budgets they had, and they just went for it with a passion. So Star Wars comes to mind for that to an extent, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, the things they did on Star Wars, he really had no business doing in reality, but he just pushed the envelope and made it happen. But Evil Dead is my horror movie version of that. Um, the Peter Jackson movies as well. Like, if you watch Bad Taste, have you seen Bad Taste by chance? That's one to check out. If you see the things he did as a little kid, to put, like, he has a rocket launcher shot, and it's like a sparkler on a string, they, you know, flying through. Wow. Um, and he's got, he has a, this fight where he fights a zombie version of himself, like on a cliff. And it, um, he's just so talented. Um, but I, I found that I like, that's what I like, I think, about Evil Dead, is it pushed that those things, and um, it inspired me. It made me think, you know, that's the kind of movie I'd like to make. That's the kind I want to make. Um, and then Evil Dead 2 just says, okay, we saw what I did on No Money. Now here's what I can do for reals. And then um, I'm a big fan of Army of Darkness, too. Oh, I yeah. Mean, yeah. yeah. I, 
I'm a huge Sam Raimi fan, so I love Quick and the Dead. I love Dark Man. You know, I love all those kind of pre-Hollywood um, Sam Raimi movies. Not that I diss the post-Hollywood Sam Raimi movies, but they, they almost, like, you can see glimpses of them in it, like in Spider-Man and stuff. Like, there'll be scenes where you're like, oh, there's Sam. He's, he's there. We see him. But then there's other things in it that you... That you know, as war, they have to satisfy everybody. So, um, and they're great. It's great stuff. But I mean, those other movies are movies like only he could make. You know, mm -hmm. it was a style like only he could pull off. So, yeah, I mean, huge. He's my big, like he's the guy I haven't met. Like I, you know, most of these people I just meet at conventions and stuff. But I feel like I've flirted around it. Like Ed met Sam Raimi. Ed's doing. Um, I'll, I'll spoil some of Ed's stuff already. Ed's doing. <laughs> Ed's doing a show for Apple, I think, with Sam Raimi producing. Dang. And and um, the greatest story he told me about that was Sam gets on the phone. And the way Sam likes to do, like, the script development, he likes to act out the parts. And Sam will be, like, doing an old woman. It's like, well, what do you think, sir? You know, and, and he'll, he'll act it out. And he says he gets all into it. His eyes, like, bulge out. And he gets all excited. And he, that is, like, everything to me. Like, Sam Raimi's the one. There are probably two people, if I could meet. It's, like, Spielberg and Raimi. Yeah. And they're, like, oh, I'd be, like, oh, they're, they're the best. Like, they're way up there for me. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But Sam, I think, you know, from what Ed's told me, that this whole thread, it seems like a theme that we're talking about, that kind of, kind of glee or passion. He says, just on a stupid Zoom meeting, he's, like, all excited reading and, and all passionate about it. So, That's so um, cool. You can ask Ed about that. Say, hey, what about yes. the Raimi uh, script reading? He'll probably give you another story. He probably made it up to get me excited because he knew, <laughs> he knew how much I love Sam. He'll be like, that never happened. Right. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just told that whole story. I bullshitted you to get you fired up. Oh, did he no, but in reality, it's nice to see. Again, we talked about that. When you, I think it's when you lose that excitement, it's time to retire. You know, yeah. I, I think that's as long as you have that and you still as we said, feel almost childlike and with that uh, excitement, um, then you're still you're still well on your way and should stick with it. So it's nice to see when that hasn't ended. And everybody, especially people like that that have, have been in it and have done it, still get just as excited. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a great thing. Did yeah, he for just sure, drag for me sure. to hell? He did drag me to hell, didn't he? He did. And I, I love that love one, too. I love that one. Yeah. I was I was on a podcast that asked me to like pick a movie to come on and talk about, and that's what I picked. I was like, "Let's do Drag Me to Hell" because I was like, "Everybody does Evil Dead and stuff like that." So yeah. I was like, "Drag." I mean, that Drag Me to Hell fight scene in the car uh, where the you know the old lady and the attack, how they shot that it was like a car that came apart and all this stuff. It was like this whole. It wasn't even a real car, and they I don't know. It was just like. It's mind-boggling, and I, I can watch that scene in a vacuum anytime. I could turn it on right now and be like, "Oh my god, that's so cool!" I get so mm -hmm. excited about it. I, I love, I love watching Sam's stuff. Yeah. I, you know, it's my favorite. Yeah, he's it's amazing when you see what goes into it as compared to what you're actually. You know, it reminds me of 1984, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, when you realize the the room was actually spinning in the scene mm -hmm. where Tina's getting cut, and all, and oh, what yeah. went into that. Yeah, uh, you know and the electrocution, everything that happened, mm -hmm. and so when you see the shot, you actually appreciate it even more. It's actually unbelievable. Yeah, no, uh, and even practical effects. We talked. We talked about Professor Slash. You know what? I think I saw in uh, Dan Farron's documentary, um, <laughs> "Never Sleep Again." I think it cost about fifteen dollars for that piece of foam over uh, 
Nancy's bed, and when they did the CGI years later, it was like some ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> no, that on the Nightmare that, Ten. That's, yeah, that's another one of those movies that they did. They just, you know, they milked it for everything they had. Uh, you know, they just went in there, and every single scene, no stone left unturned. Just bring the passion, keep coming with it. Um, it's a, it's a great one. You know, you know what I'm reading right now. And speaking of kind of those, those blind spots in our horror kind of libraries. The one movie I don't think I had ever seen until this year was Phantasm. I never watched Phantasm for some reason. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, something about it, I don't know, as a kid, never appealed to me. I don't know what it was. It was just like, eh, I don't know what that is. I, I think maybe I didn't understand what it was. Mm -hmm. um, I'm reading uh, Don Coscarelli's book. Uh, he has a, a book like Independent, something Independent. It's not Mr. Independent, but anyway. Um, and reading how he pulled off Phantasm, was like, I mean, it's ridiculous. He, they couldn't figure out how to how to make the silver ball levitate. Mm -hmm. So what they did, they had one person in the set that was a good baseball player, and he threw it. He just threw it. That's all they did. And they would shoot it. They put it in slow motion and run it backwards. And um, that's how they did it. And it's like, I love stuff like that. It's just yeah, it's so primitive, but works so well. It's like, it's so, that's the fun part of it, seeing how you can make it all work and look the best. Yeah, with yeah. with the least amount of you know, it's almost you have to underthink. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can't overthink, or you'll never you'd never think of that. Just throw it. Just throw it. Just yeah. just throw the thing. Yeah, brilliant. It, it, brilliant. it you know when I read something like that, it's almost like it could be your your mantra if you want to make horror movies. Just go out there and throw it. <laughs> you know, figure it <laughs> out. No, no, you know. Don't think. Just throw it. Just throw it. Just <laughs> just, throw it. just do it. Do what Phantasm did. Just get the. Right. Get the one guy who's good at baseball, throws it over the camera, put it in reverse, yeah. you got the trick. It's funny, Professor Slash, because I was the same way with Phantasm, and, I, and I've cut bits and pieces, and I know I, it, it escapes me, one of the main characters, because I know they did it, several of them, that just passed away. Um, and that's how I kind of, you know, Phantasm came back into my mind when I heard he passed away, and I, I want to revisit those, too, because they made quite a bit, quite a few of them. Mm -hmm. Obviously, yep. I'll start with the original again, watch I, it. I, I know Shudder did a big thing because it was the sequel that just came out last year and then Joe Bob, I think, did Phantasm on there and they put the, you know, so you can find them all. That's where I found, I went back and that shows you how recent, I, I watched the Joe Bob thing and I and then I watched all of them um, and I really like them now, uh, but again, it wasn't that I didn't like them, it was just for some reason I never picked them up and I saw all his other movies. Like, I was a big Beastmaster fan. I probably saw Beastmaster like 10 times in the movie theater. Um, <laughs> but I didn't see Phantasm. Um, uh, Bubba Hotep, I'm a big fan oh, of. Yeah. Um, so, uh, to bring to bring it back around to Bruce. Hell yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can't go but, wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I never, never saw Phantasm for some reason until this year, yeah. until last year. Did, did you mention Beastmaster? Beastmaster. Oh, that was one of my favorites as a kid. Now, that was one that disturbed me in some ways as a young kid. <laughs> well, so you see, that's another one of those movies that as a kid I really gravitated towards. And I think because so Coscarelli was bringing the horror stuff. Like, there were those creatures with the bat wings that would hug. Right, and, and, they would just, and then go like this and the bones would fall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, so, his two ferret friends. It was just really weird. Right, right. And it was made, like, very cheaply, um, you know, it was it was actually pre Conan, but released after Conan. I think just after Conan. Yeah, and I think um, it was eighty two. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but 
but anyway, it was a movie that when I saw, and I was a and d kid and stuff, so that stuff appealed to me when that, when that started to happen. Um, but me and my friends, we honestly, we probably saw that movie five to ten times at the theater. Um, for whatever reason. That was one of those movies that we saw many times in the theater. <laughs> yeah, you're right. For me, I watched it seven. I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. I still, I never, you know, it's just one of those things that was, I think it was because it was, like you said, it was so weird. It was weird. For, for at that time, it was, and also, like, really scary at points. Like, when you didn't really see it coming, or, like, it was, uh, it just was, and to this day, when I watch it, it still, it holds up in terms of, um, that that weirdness. It doesn't yeah. look as you know some as you know some movies when you watch them again later. It's like, oh, why was I? But that one still actually looks fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember it, even in the opening. Not to talk about Beastmaster too okay. much, but remember because I haven't I haven't actually seen it in like twenty years. Honestly, I haven't seen it in a long time. But I can still remember like that that pregnancy scene with the animal in the beginning, and oh. you know, it's got like these really horrible dark imagery. That was even beyond some of the horror movies I had seen back then, um, and I yeah. think that's that's honestly why I like it so why I liked it as a kid so much because I did gravitate toward anything that had just felt a little bit like maybe they maybe this isn't safe you know what I mean maybe they were going to see some stuff maybe we're going to see some weird stuff well, in this. I think that's what it was for me too, Jamie. Is that it was. I, I believe when I was young and I first started watching, I'm quite sure I didn't know about the scary scenes. It was more, right. you know, as you said, that D&D sort of feeling. And then some of the scenes are so dark and quickly disturbing, like as you said, right. graphic and not in necessarily a, a, a blood and gore sort of way, yeah. per se. Just some of the, it was just and unexpectedly, and it goes back to some level of like almost on some level a love story. Mm-hmm. Remember when he meets the redhead and all that, right. and then a weird kinship with the animals that he has and his psychic ability with the, and then it goes right back into some crazy stuff, and that's what it was for me too. It, it almost makes you comfortable and then scares the shit out of you. Right, right. And then that movie, I think it had a sequel, which I never saw, Beastmaster Two, and it had a television show. I remember <laughs> so, the television. You're a hundred percent right because I didn't know about Beastmaster Two until recently either. Um, and I haven't seen it, but I had never heard of it then, you know, when it came out. Yeah. Yeah. No, nope. Beastmaster 2. I will. I think I'll go to my grave without seeing Beastmaster 2 or the television show, but, but Beastmaster holds a fondness in my heart. See, I never saw the Same movie, here. but I did watch the TV show because my mom would watch it. Okay. So, yeah, I've okay. never seen the movie, though. I probably well, saw it before. Boots. Yeah, your your homework is to watch Beastmaster. I'll watch it when you watch Evil Dead. <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to say that. I was going to make that deal with you. I was going to sell my soul and make that deal with you. But no, honestly, Rhiannon, you you have to see Beastmaster because you'll you'll find yourself complacent and then really disturbed really quickly. All right. <laughs> you won't know how to feel about it. Okay, I'll watch it like a it, human centipede messes with you. No. Well, I don't know if it's like that, uh, but yeah, but it, it will, um, it will uh, definitely intrigue you. It's good. Jamie shakes yeah, his it, head. It, yeah. It, feel, it feels like, um, if you haven't seen evil dead yet, you almost shouldn't see it, you know, cause that becomes your thing, right? You, you know, I've, I was that way for Casablanca for many years, like until like, I think I watched it last year or something. But for some reason that was one of the few classic movies I had never seen and everybody loves it so much. And I was like, you know, I probably shouldn't watch it at this point because it's my thing. You know, now I, 
And I watched it last year. Now I don't have the thing where I haven't watched it. Right. Like you know, I, I think I've, I've often asked myself, Professor Slash, what is it that is, you know, I think that might be a little bit of what it is. I have that power and control. Once I lose that, it's like my virginity. Yeah, <laughs> I can't get it yeah. back. And, and that's yeah. kind of my thing. I'm an evil dead virgin, a virgin. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I can rest on that a little bit. And if I give that up, what do I have? Yeah, no, I yeah. agree with it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I think I might I might support you not watching it at this point. Thank you. I, I appreciate that, Professor Splash. I, I think I'm going to, I might go with you because I, I always want something to look forward to as well. So mm-hmm. if I lose everything, but I never watch Evil Dead, I can always look forward to it. That's right. That's you know, no matter what. Or maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe you should, like, make a rule when you can watch it. Like, you should, you should achieve something or maybe you right. just pick a weird date. Like, you know, when you're, I agree. Like I think if there's any possibility of me ever in my life sleeping behind a dumpster on a mattress, I shouldn't watch it because yes. I want I want something to look forward to. But if I can reach a certain level where I have comfort in knowing mm-hmm. that I'll mm-hmm. stay there, then I can watch it. I agree with you. That's a masterful plan. I think that's a great idea. I, I love it. I love it too. Professor Slash giving out life advice as well. So he's a professor. He's a life coach. He's disturbed. He's he's all of it. I think we should start a call-in show, and this is the kind of advice I'll give. You know, the people just call in, they'll ask advice, and I'll be like, "Yeah, well, here's the thing: don't watch Evil Dead. You're 80. That'll be the advice." Right, and I can screen the calls to make sure they're up to snuff, and then you can give some real life advice. Yes, I like it. I like it. I Sign me up. We've got, we've got something here. Mm-hmm. I'll send the contract, and we'll get it rolling. Especially if we can add the horror theme to it. I don't think there's anything like that that's ever been done. Like the horror helpline something. Actually, uh, you know, it's really thinking about it. Shame, that's actually really funny and great yeah. idea. And, and all seriousness. Yeah, I'd listen to yeah. it. Yeah. For sure. Well, Jamie, we're going to have to have you come on again, and we'll do that. I'm serious. Okay. We'll, we'll do it again, okay. and we'll set it up so we'll market it. So people will know it's coming, and um, and we'll and we'll have some real life call-ins. I, I mean, and, yeah, maybe we can have Doomhead call in. He seems like Richard Brake. Okay, and and we can see if we can give Richard Brake some advice too. <laughs> uh, we we did a show uh, that that aired last week uh, on thir- the movie Thirty One and Doomhead. So and he's pretty disturbed. So we'll uh, maybe we'll have him call in or somebody else that needs life advice. <laughs> Do the voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that could use our help. So there really is. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. This is brilliant. See how it all works: networking, and then we conceptualize brilliance right before people's very eyes. Just the energy. Like, this is how it happens. This is exactly. how it works. This it, the spark was lit right here. Everybody sees, and now it's going to be a giant inferno. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Cool just, through, just through our passion, Professor Slash. It's, it's, it's the next Hamilton or something. I don't know. Oh, boy. You are really hitting the nail on the head tonight. <laughs> yeah, there yeah you, you can't lose tonight. You still play basketball like one-on-one against somebody. You'll you'll hit every shot. You've okay. got all the answers tonight. And all the, yeah, he's shining. I will. Mr. Nash, Professor Slash. This has been an absolute treat, Rianne. Yeah, it's so much fun. We've had so much fun with You're you. You're a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, well, I I love, um, you know, it's one of those things, just like you say, I love uh, being invited. Uh, thanks for letting me um, come and hang. Uh, it's always, uh, it's it's something I enjoy, do- you know, I look forward to doing. So oh, it's, not, uh, it's fun to hang with you. 
Yeah, we've been excited. So I'm glad that you took the time yeah. to do this. Um, so now we're at the end of the show to where um, we're going to let you do your either thanks or promote whatever you want people to check out of your work, either past or upcoming. And then we'll do our little shout outs real quick and then we'll, we'll be all done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know I have, I know I have a ton of new stuff coming like comedy of horrors probably next year or something, you know, go follow them on Twitter or something. Hopefully you'll get Ken Arnold here. He'll do a promotion. Awesome. Um, yeah, definitely get him. I'm promoting Ken Arnold tonight. Tonight I'm here to promote Ken Arnold. All right. Uh, I love that. <laughs> that um, but uh, aside from that, really, I, I always promote, I have two books out, if, if anyone is interested. They're the things, you know, if you go buy it tonight, I'll make a penny tomorrow morning. So go buy it tonight. Um, one of them's called Nomad. That's probably of the most interest to your, uh, your fans. It's, it's actually a book uh, based on a screenplay that I wrote immediately after Altered. And it, it got optioned, and we were going to try to make it. And... Uh, it ended up just being too big. It was too big. And it's a, it's a horror sci-fi. So it's along the lines of Alien or um, even The Thing. It kind of has shades of The Thing. And it has a ton of like 80s reference. Cool. So um, follow me. you can follow me on at Jamie underscore Nash. And um, I do also do a podcast um, called Writers Slash Blockbusters. Um, which has kind of been on hiatus during COVID, but we're about to pick it back up in October. And it's called Writers underscore, or I'm sorry, I, that's my Twitter. Writers slash Blockbusters. Just Google it. You'll find it. You'll know it. You'll see my name. Um, and that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, so everybody check out his work, his website, his book, everything that he does. He's absolutely amazing. He now has a new nickname, Professor Slash. Buy the shirts it. when they come out. <laughs> That's right. And Bud, I'll let you do yours now. Not All right. Well, you, first, it's, it's first off, thank you so much to Professor Slash, Jamie, Nash. Uh, Mr. Nash, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's one of those things where we didn't know each other before the show, and then you get to know someone on the show, and, and you're really, really uh, intrigued and feel blessed. And, and I actually had an absolute blast. We're going to see you again, Mr. Nash. I can feel that because we got to do the call-in show and the advice show, too. So I'm going to follow up with that. I'm going to hold you to that. Thank you so much again, sir. It's been an absolute treat. I know people out there have enjoyed it, too. You've inspired some people, made some people laugh, and uh, exposed some people to some things maybe they didn't know. And so that's what it's all about. Uh, Zombie Barbie, Brianna Nicole, I love you so much. Thank you for all your hard work and for being the best teammate I've ever had or ever will have. Uh, on the air so thank you my friends my wife allison thank you i love you baby thank you for being born and to my two boys daddy loves you guys thank you so much and to my bbc brook village crew out of nashville new hampshire i love everybody john mondu shane jubert everybody out there chins up it's not over till you say it's over baby and we're just getting warmed up thank you so much to mr nash zombie barbie i love you Love you, too. So I want to thank you so much again, Jamie, for coming on. This has been so much fun. My cheeks are, like, hurting from laughing so hard. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I can't wait to do it again. Um, thank you, Bud, for being my best friend, my the most amazing co-host I could ever ask for. I love you. I love your family. So thank you so much. Um, I want to thank Johnny Ellenberger for doing our intro and our logo. Chris Atella for doing our outro music and our iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts intro and outro. Um... I want to give a shout out, well, shout out to Jay Saunders for hooking us up with you because this has been so much fun. So thank you, Jay. 
Um, we're going to have him on here soon also, so we'll get to check, check that out and have fun. Um, Crazy Ink Publishing for publishing my books, Broken Halo and Broken Halo Blood Curse. I do have the third one coming out in March. And right now we have a box set coming out called Possessed by Passion. We just now launched it to where it's 99 cents for pre-orders and you're going to get 21 books from 21 authors. We're all international bestsellers. So it's on Amazon, um, Goodreads, I think Kobo or Kobo. I've never heard of that platform, so I don't know what that one is. But um, yeah, check out our page. All the links are on there. And with that, I am, I'm done. All right. All right, and I'll talk to you guys soon.